morning, man. Can you hear me? There we go. We got it going this morning. Good morning to you online. I'm glad you're with us this morning. Man, big group of men. Uh, what, do we have special donuts this morning? What's going on? Uh, look like we only have one box. Y'all leave one for me. I like the apple fritters, just so you know, and they like me, just as you can see. So uh, let's get started this morning. I'm going to be talking to us about something that I think can impact all of us, especially for the season that we're in here in the church, uh, but most importantly, here in the nation and in the country, in the world. Uh, there's, there's a sp specific thing that I continue to see come up. Even in my own life, there's some things I watch, and uh, I watch the first 15 minutes of news uh, every morning, and that's all the news for me. I, I tend to turn it off. Now, I'll listen throughout the day, and I'll look at some highlights throughout the day, trying to keep my current events, you know, current. But, uh, um, you know, how is the Lord moving today? What would the Lord speak to us today as men of God, as men who bring his kingdom here to this earth? What does that look like? Well, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and I'll bring that subject up, and we'll take a look at some things. Dear Jesus, I thank you, Father, for this your day. I thank you for calling us together as men. I thank you for the size of group we have this morning. Father, it's good to see everybody's face this morning. It's good to know that we're re-engaging, and, and Father, that no weapon formed against us can stand or prosper. Lord, just lead this by the power of your Holy Spirit. Speak to your men as what you would say, Father, and give us hearts to receive, ears to hear, and eyes also to see. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's a there's a statement out there that I, I ran across uh, maybe in a book a few months ago, and I wrote it down on my desk, and it says this: a man, a man without a worthy cause is just an angry man. A man without a worthy cause is just an angry man. If you don't have have vision, we, we the scripture tells us what that we perish, that we perish. And what happens with men is oftentimes when they don't have a worthy cause or feel like they have a worthy cause, then we get angry. And I want to talk about anger this morning. I want to talk about righteous anger because there, there have been times that I've been angry. And I, I feel like that uh, uh, even in the more, more recent weeks, some of the things that I've seen going on, not just throughout the country, but in my own life, sometimes I get angered. Uh, things change in our own personal lives. Uh, uh, I've had to take on like another job right now. And it's, it's taken a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort, a lot of management. And so uh, just, just thinking, golly, Lord, I, I thought we were going to get a reprieve. I thought we were going to get to breathe. And sometimes that creates an anger that's not righteous. Sometimes it creates in me. I, I had a guy uh, the other day, of all the things, of all the things, I'm coming to church the other day. And, and uh, I'm, I'm literally, it's one of those road rage moments. I mean, the pastor is driving to church and there's a guy in the left-hand lane. And it may have been one of you. I recognize the pickup. No, I'm just kidding. But they're in the left-hand lane running 65 miles an hour. Now, in the left-hand lane, man, let me just say that you must go faster than 65. If you're in the left-hand lane and you're doing 65 miles an hour and driving beside a truck and I can't get around you, then sometimes I may have some anger and it's not righteous. Now, I didn't explode. I didn't do anything. I just sat, sat behind him. And eventually we made it around the truck. He was still running 65. I kept waiting for him to move over. He never moved over. So I get in the right-hand lane and I go to go go by him in the right-hand lane. I'm not angry. I'm doing fine. And next thing I know, I'm running 75, 85, 90. And this dude's like racing me. And I, I'm like, man, I've, I've got, a, I've got a, a, a 2000 model Toyota Avalon. And you don't want none of it. I'm just telling you, this sucker will fly, right? And so I just take off on this Avalon and we're going now. The race is on. All right, you want some of this? Watch this. And I think I made him mad because we get on down there a ways, and sure enough, I, I pull in front of him and get in the left-hand lane. I'm, I'm going on. Well, then we come to the road construction off I-27 coming into Amarillo from the south, and uh, this guy gets on my bumper, 
And I noticed he was waving at me, but just with one finger, right? That created in me some anxiety. It created in me some what? Unrighteous anger. You know, uh, when you look at James chapter 1, 19 and 20, some of you will be familiar with this passage, and we'll start here, but we've got a lot to cover, and we're going to cover it quickly. It says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. There's no doubt it's very easy to sin in what? In your anger. Very easy to sin in your anger. Let's keep going. One of the toughest battles in every man's life is really winning this, this battle of anger, right? And, and, and so when we let things boil up, and oftentimes uh, as they boil up, they begin to boil over. We've all been there, and chances are we'll probably go there again. The Scripture even tells us that Jesus got angry and yet did not sin in his anger. So what's the difference between Jesus' anger and our anger? Well, there must be some type of righteous anger out there. In Matthew 21, 12, men, 21, 12, Matthew 21, 12, Jesus entered the temple courts, drove out all who were buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those who were selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. All right, so when Jesus cleared the temple of the money changers and the animal sellers, he showed great emotion. He showed great anger. But it was a righteous anger. Jesus' emotion was described as zeal for God's house. Now, sometimes for me, this is how I recognize uh, my anger is righteous. Sometimes things happen in the house of the Lord that really create in me a righteous anger. I could, I could name a list. As a matter of fact, I had a list, and, and uh, I didn't put that list in this because uh, some of you would be on it. Let's keep going. But Jesus cleared the temple of the money changers, of the animal sellers, because he knew that his house was to be a house of prayer. It should be, things should be dealt with through prayer first, that we ought to have a connection with God. And, and through our connection of God, man, this is how we know that our anger is either righteous or it's not righteous. It's either uh, good or it's bad. It either will promote the gospel of Jesus Christ or it won't. Most of us, if we're honest, when we become angry, we are not promoters of the kingdom of God. <laughs> the peace of Christ does not dwell in our, in our hearts, right? And, and, and it's supposed to not just dwell in our hearts. The scripture says the peace of God should rule our hearts. So let's keep going. Jesus's emotion was described as zeal for God's house. His anger was pure. It was completely justified. And because at its root, it was a concern for holiness and worship. Because all these things were at stake. Jesus took quick, decisive action. Another time Jesus showed anger was in the synagogue of Capernaum. And you'll remember this when the Pharisees refused, refused to answer Jesus' question. This is what the scripture says. They wouldn't answer his question. So he said this in Mark chapter 3, verse 5. He looked around at them in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. You ever had anybody look at you in anger? You know it. Okay, then you're not married. All right. Some of y'all are still single, I understand that, but there's no doubt, right, that you know when your wife is angry with you, and she usually doesn't have to say a word. This was Jesus, he's sitting here, and he's asking them a question, and they don't want to answer his question in the way that he knows they should. As a matter of fact, he's got a heart for them, they're Pharisees. Pharisees and Sadducees were different men. Pharisees uh, believed that there was an afterlife. They, they were three-quarters of the way right. Sadducees were only half of the way right, just so you know. They didn't believe in the afterlife or anything else. But the Pharisees, and as Jesus asked this question, they should have known the answer to the question. But he, he looks at them in anger because they should have known 
the answer, not just to his question, but they should know the answer that the, the Son of God is now standing in their midst and they don't recognize him, right? And because of that, he became angry. You know, when we don't recognize God in the midst of a situation, then it, 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 it can anger, it can frustrate our God because if anyone should know him, it should be the men of God. And this is who we're called to be. So let's look at some causes of anger because it can vary, right? Uh, like I've already mentioned, wives. I'm just kidding. All right, women, a media. Uh, there's plenty of things around today that, that can create, create anger. But I wrote something here that, that's, that's a little bit different, something out of my journal. I want, I want you to see it. Basically, a lot of times, anger first shows up because I was trying to think, when did I first become an angry man? It's not that I walk in anger, but that I really experienced anger. You know, uh, when, I was, when I was young, I really didn't have much anger. What did I have? I just wanted to play. I, I was just free. And, and I mean, all the way up until really uh, mid-20s, I didn't really experience a lot of anger. I'd get mad and might get in a fight or two, but I, I, I wasn't an angry man. I wasn't walking around, you know, just, just you couldn't just set me off. Not easy, right? But what happens, what I realized is when we're young or as we get older, we take on more responsibility and we have less support. Think just for a moment with me. More responsibility and less support, which creates more pressure. It does. When we're young, we have far less responsibility and we have far more support. As we become older, we have far more responsibility. I mean, some of you have employees. There's a lot of businessmen in here this morning. And some of you have several employees and you know what it means to have that type of responsibility and feel that obligation for those employees that you have. That it's, it's a different level of responsibility. It's stuff that will keep you up at night. And you don't have a mom or dad that says, oh, it's okay if you don't pay them, I will. You understand? There, there's a lot of you out there this morning that, that understand what I'm talking about. As we get older, we take on more responsibility. Because if you're a businessman, what do you want your business to do? Grow. I'll give you a great example of a business person. One of the finest business people in my life. She's 10 years old, and her name's Hadley, right? My youngest. She loves to set up a pretend home in the house. The, last week, I get home, I walk in the door, and as I walk into this door, uh, there, I'm not kidding you, she's got every blanket in the house. She's got blanket off beds. She's got all of her sister's pillows. She's got everything, and she has this kingdom set up, her own kingdom throughout the living room. I'm talking covers the entire living room. It used just to be in her closet, but not anymore. It's her entire living room. So I go in there and, and she, she comes up and gives me a hug. She does every day. And she goes, daddy, um, okay, you ready to get your nails done? Cause I got a nail salon over here in this side of town. And I said, okay, let's go get my nails done. So I go over there and I get my nails done. And she goes, I got a beauty parlor on the other side over here. Let's go get your hair done. Okay, Hadley, let's go over here, you know, and get my, she is so carefree, right? And I love to watch her enjoy every day. I love to see her imagination take over because what's happened over the years, it continues to grow, right? And, and so, and, and what she's learning in all of this is she's understanding, you know, there's a lot of responsibility, but there's no care with it. I mean, eventually I'm going to say, hey, take that down. I need to sit down, you know. Uh, you got my chair too. But anyway, but here's what happens. As, as we become older, there's no doubt that we gain more responsibility, more obligation, right? And we have less support. As your parents raise you up, eventually they turn you loose and you don't have their support anymore. Now we have, we have some men out there that are still on their parental support, 
right? They're not worried about it. They had a huge inheritance. They, they inherited the company. They inherited the, the land. They inherited, but that's, for the majority of us, that's not the, that's not the case at all. Most of us, right, we don't, we're not going to be bailed out. I mean, we're going to have to have to be responsible. And as we grow in responsibility, we actually have less support. Leaders, as they grow in responsibility, they have less support. And if we're not careful, that, that begins to boil within us and it can boil over in anger. And so, men, sometimes what you're blowing up over has nothing to do with your wife, has nothing to do with your family, has nothing to do with whether or not the swimming pool is clean. It has everything to do with um, you have far more responsibility and far less support. You know, Jesus, I mean, think about Jesus for a moment. His responsibility is the house of the Lord. Jesus goes into this place and they're selling all kinds of stuff. And he's like, wait a minute, I've got a zeal for the house of God. This is my father's house. Wait just a minute. This stuff's not supposed to be taking place. Now think about his responsibility and how much support did he have? None. You know, he had none. So he was angry, and he, but his was a righteous anger. So frustration and worry begin to take over in life if we're not careful, which can lead us to becoming an angry man. You, you know there used to be a show out there where a couple of movies, uh, it was called, they were called, and I should have written it in here, I just said the, the, the old show, because uh, uh, I thought I would remember. I remembered it yesterday. <laughs> um, grumpy Old Men. Yeah, I mean that part one and part grumpy old men. It's true. The older I get, the more grumpy I get. You know, I just get frustrated. It seems like more easy. Man, we don't want to be that. We want people to be around us. We want to be loving old men, right? We want to be be strong in our faith and know that we have zeal for the house of the Lord and we have a righteous anger that can come out. But ninety nine percent of the time, who are we? We're men of peace. We're we're men uh, who who understand who God is in our life. But there's some things that can co- that can cause cause us to build up, that can build up in anger. One of them are petty grievances. So one of the things, I've got three things here listed, petty grievances. Years ago, a man and his family, they all died from lead poison. Some of you will remember this story. The cause was breakfast sausage. Now, if you're going to die of something, man, not a bad way to go, okay? Get you a little bit of sausage and just, just keep gnawing on it. But this is what happened. The entire family died, and it was a terrible, tragic story. What was happening is that he fed his pigs soured corn that had been poisoned by high levels of lead and mercury through an experimental herbicide. And it didn't hurt the pigs, but it had an accumulation effect in humans. And this is how anger oftentimes works in us. Through petty grievances, it can build up, it can add up until it boils over. Another one I've got here is dissonance. Now, you don't hear the word dissonance very often. Dissonance is a big word for uh for a man who was raised out at Vago Park. But here's what dissonance means, all right? Between expectation and reality. In other words, I've got an expectation, but the but my expectation is not reaching my reality. Right? And and this is goal-oriented people, by the way, because we well we we set these goals and then we have strategies to obtain those goals. I think every successful businessman will do that. But what happens is oftentimes those those strategies, right? Uh, don't work. <laughs> so it's a dissonance, right? There's a dissonance between the expectation and the reality of what's going on. George Clark once said it this way. He said, midlife is when skepticism of youth collides with the cynicism of old age. And I think that's true. And by the time we gain enough wisdom to be wise, it's lost through the wounds of anger. 
So, man, we don't want that to be us as well. And then finally, partial solutions. We live by these. Be careful with these little phrases, these little slogans, because they don't bring truth into your life. Things like, uh, go easy on yourself. No, you don't need to go easy on yourself. Have an expectation for yourself, men. Uh, I mean, we've got a goal out there. The Apostle Paul said, hey, we ought to be, we ought to be pressing toward that goal, right? You know what? Golly, man, I better not do it. Let's just keep going. Uh, find a hobby. That's what they used to tell pastors all the time. I used to be in a, in a denominational church, and we had these uh, once-a-month things or once-every-quarter things that we had to go to. And every time they would say, now listen, pastors are under so much pressure. We're all just, you know, I know you're reading your Bibles and, you, and you're just preaching the gospel, and it's, it's just so tough. It's just so difficult. Make sure you have a hobby. Come on, man. Good Lord. Get a hobby. I'm just kidding. They're just partial solutions. It might help a little bit, but it's not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Get more sleep. Get a pet. Blah, blah, blah. There's all kinds of it, right? So the truth is, it's a spiritual problem. It's not a physical problem, man. It's a spiritual problem. No earthly thing will solve it. If you are an angry man, no earthly thing will solve it. You've got to find your knees and ask the Lord Jesus to remove that anger that is not righteous within you. I've got to do it too. I did it yesterday. <laughs> Lord, this is not healthy. It's not healthy for anyone around me. Many times we think as ang of anger as selfish, destructive, as a destructive emotion that we should eradicate from our lives altogether. However, the fact that Jesus did sometimes become angry indicates, indicates that anger itself as an emotion is immoral. So this is born out of elsewhere in the New Testament. In Ephesians 4.26, it says, In your anger, do not sin. So he's not saying don't be angry. He's just saying, hey, how about this? When you are angry, don't sin. Can you do it? It's difficult. And you know, sometimes it's more difficult for a young man in that way. Because a young man, that's, this is, that's the beauty of a young man. You still have your health. You still have your strength. You still have the ability to, to back it up. You become an old man, you just have a mouth that can't back up anything, you know. You're like, do I have a son? I'm just kidding. Let's keep going. In your anger, do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on our anger. So the command is not to avoid anger or to suppress it or ignore it, right, but to deal with it properly in a timely manner. We note the following facts about Jesus' displays of anger. So let me talk to you about these, these facts. I've got five, I've got six, I've got 20. I'm just kidding, man. I've got six things I want to make it through quickly about Jesus' anger. And when you see these six, one of these will identify with you and what type of anger you've experienced recently. Number one, his anger had the proper motivation. We've got to make sure that if we're angry about something or with someone, does it have the proper motivation? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words will never hurt me. That's not true. <laughs> words hurt more people far more people than sticks and stones i promise you so does anger have the proper motivation in other words jesus was angry for the right reasons jesus's anger did not arise from a petty argument from what people were saying about him his personal slights against him or him against someone else there was no selfishness involved i want you to know that when jesus experienced anger it wasn't for himself he had zeal for the house of the lord right he looked at these men in anger simply because they ought to know better. They're Pharisees. They're religious scribes. They should know better. The second point here, his anger had the proper focus. 
Now, he was not angry at God or at the weaknesses of others. His anger targeted sinful behavior and true injustice. So Jesus just, just honed it in, right? Number three, his anger had the proper supplement. In Mark chapter 3, verse 5, it says that his anger attended by grief over, was attended by grief over the Pharisees' lack of faith. Right? Jesus' anger stemmed from the love for the Pharisees and concern for their spiritual condition. It had nothing to do with hatred or ill will towards them. Right? It was their lack of faith. They should have faith. They should know me. Number five, his anger had the proper duration. He did not allow his anger to turn into bitterness. You know, that's, that's another thing that I didn't write much on, uh, but I have over the years, is that, that angry people can become bitter people. And once you get bitter, people don't want to be around you. You know why? Because you taste bad and most of you smell bad. That's what bitterness does, right? Because bitterness is a form of rot. It's a form of rotting away. All right, let's keep going. All right, had the proper duration. He didn't hold uh, grudges. He dealt with each situation properly, and he handled anger in good time. And then the next one, his anger had the proper result. All right, now sometimes when we get angry, if we'll allow God to harness that anger, here's the cool thing, it will have a good result in the end. Um, when the man pulled up behind me and got on my bumper and was waving at me the other day, I just want you to know I handled myself very, very mildly. Um, I did. I, I waved with my whole hand, you know, just went on. Hated that uh, uh, he followed me on the exit, and I was then I got angry. <laughs> but it had the proper duration. I turned right and he turned left. So let's keep going, right? So here's the thing. And the proper result, Jesus' anger had the inevitable consequence of a godly action. Jesus' anger, as with all his emotions, was held in check by the word of God. And so Jesus' response was to always accomplish God's will. So if we are angry, I would end with this, men. Will our anger, in the long run, accomplish God's will? I think that's a great question for us this morning. right? Will it accomplish God's will? How can we harness that where it accomplishes God's will and his kingdom can truly come to this earth? Because remember... Remember, I say this all the time, man, and you got to get this. The kingdom of God does not happen by accident. It takes men of God to bring it. It takes women of God to bring it. But we're talking to men this morning, and I'm going to tell you, men, there's a lot of anger out there today. We have a lot of law enforcement in this church, and uh, you guys are seeing it. I mean, I'm talking to you guys. You know people are angry right now. And, and because of that, uh, a lot of it is creating results that would never bring the kingdom of God to earth. So we are the world changers. So when we get angry, too often we have the improper control or an improper focus. We fell in one or more of the above points, and this is the wrath of man of which we are told everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God or the righteousness that God desires. That's the same scripture we started with. That's James chapter 1, 19 and 20. Jesus did not exhibit man's anger, but the righteousness or the righteous indignation of God. So men, uh, you've got some questions in front of you this morning. I want to encourage you to go through those questions. Some of them, one of them is what makes you angry? So let's talk about that. Let's pray for one another and let's move on to bring the kingdom of God here on earth. Amen.